Thank you all for coming. Today is July 6th, 2020, in this time of pandemic. We're here to bring you something that's a little fun. So Lance and I have decided to call this podcast, They Need a Hobby, because we have so many different types of things that we talk about, whether it's like wrestling, anime, comic books, current events, martial arts. Mm-hmm. It was the hardest thing. Yeah, and there's no disservice to the other names. There was a lot of a lot of gems. None we will oh share God. here. So many gems. We like, won't share them because we don't want those ideas out there. We don't. You, know, you can pay us for them. Yeah. Hopefully, they'll see the light of day. Because every human being can be bought, and I will surely give you that for five dollars. Five dollars. Well, those were at least twenty dollars ideas right there. Well, I mean, five dollars per idea, okay. and then accrue for interest for every year. I mean, but what if it really takes off? One of those other names. Well, then I will go back in time and correct myself. That's what I will do. <laughs> so we are also recording in a in a blanket right yeah. now, a blanket fort that we that we Thank had to make. Fort. Shout out to my brother Karn for getting us some high end mics, but I didn't know they were high end mics until I opened the package. I thought it was just a stand, but he went and outdid himself and got me like some awesome mics. I love you for that, brother. You yeah. know. Yeah, shout out to Curran. Uh, yeah. Thank you for that. Sorry we won't be using them this time, but definitely next time. Yeah, I need some time to play around with them. And So for now, we're taking the advice of our producer, Amitha, who produces Amitha Audio. She's dope. She's a yeah, dope person. Shout out to Amitha. She's a dope person. I went to college with her. She sang. She has a beautiful voice. She records. She got married recently. Um, okay, congratulations, Amitha. Yeah, yeah. And uh, her husband, Chris, is a dope guy. He's just... Big shout out to Chris. Shout out to Chris, man. Shout out to everybody. Everybody who, who helped make this podcast what it is. You know, we got a lot of feedback on that first episode. A lot yeah. of feedback. And so we're using that to put it into this, our first real episode of They Need a Hobby podcast. Because before we didn't really have a name. We really didn't have structure to it. No. So we're uh, kind of introducing a little structure here. Amorphous today. blob of sorts that we loved. Yeah. Dearly. So Lance, what do you what have you been watching this week? I've been looking for shows, and um, one show I got into was Hunter X Hunter. It's oh, an anime, yeah. kind of slept on by me. Honestly, I've, I've been hearing about that for years. Yeah, man, it's yeah. been out for a long time. I remember having the manga actually as a kid, and um, finding it to be okay. I tried to watch the anime previously, and I do this with a lot of shows, and we'll get into that a little bit later with another show that we'll be talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of one of those things where, like, I'll watch the first episode or two and I'm like, eh, this is okay, but I don't think it has my attention for a full however many seasons. But yeah, this time I actually stuck with it, watched it. I'm done with season one now. And so I'm in season two. And it's uh, it's been good, man. Good. It's made by the same guy who did Hakusho. Yeah. He did Hakusho, which I, I love saying that he did that because that was supposed to me, Lance and I. Really liked as well. We actually did bracket. You wanna you wanna talk about that a little bit? Yeah, but the bracket it would just. I think uh, on my end it won. It won. I think for both of ours. Yeah, so it made it really far in this tsunami bracket that I saw. I think the actual official tsunami page post. Mm-hmm. So basically, it was like you know animes, cartoons that were introduced by tsunami to America. Yu Yu Hakusho for me was one of those animes that I got into by watching it on Toonami. Just a great anime. Um, if you haven't seen it already, you definitely need to check it out if you're an anime fan. And, you know, even if you're 
just getting into anime. Yeah. It's one of the classics now, you know, we're yes. kind of older. <laughs> they <laughs> don't have the My Hero or One Punch Man. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's considered a classic. A lot of the same voice actors are on My Hero, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, they actually just threw Hakusho up on, on Netflix. Cool. Uh, anything else you've been watching? Not watching. What about you? Yeah, so in uh, in this time of uncertainty, in this time of whatever you want to call it, it's made me go back and watch shows that I've wanted to finish. Okay. One of them was Gurren Lagann. Great anime. Agreed. One of my best friends from college, Paul introduced it to me and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I actually showed him Hakusho and he liked it. And he's like, well, I got to show you some of my anime. And I'm like, please do. So we saw Gurren Lagann and that was like 2012. and. Okay. It's definitely of the Toonami era where it was the power of friendship will save us. <laughs> Even though it's super corny, mm. uh, it's very, very heartfelt. And I found myself very drawn to the characters. There's a lot of loss, especially in the second half of the show. Characters become very complex because I don't want to ruin too much. The world changes quite a bit. And so they have to find yeah. a way to, to adjust now that they're older. I'll just give a quick rundown. There's been this devastating war and humans are forced to go underground. They're constantly made to go dig down. One of them, his name, his name is Simon and his friend Kamina, who is the one that believes in him, that believes in you. Uh, and you'll get that phrase if you watch the show, but essentially he's just, he's a rallier. He's the favorite of the group and everything. And he's like, we're going to reach the heavens. So mm -hmm. they do and they find there's a whole new world literally on the top half of the earth and there's all these monsters and they delve into why they're there and how they were created in the first place. So that's what I'm watching. So another thing we wanted to introduce to the podcast was things that kind of caught our eye in our world of news, seeing as anime, comics, video games are all hobbies mm -hmm. of ours. Two games that really stuck out to me. One would be, you're going to help me with <laughs> Ghost. Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, and it's a, it's a really cool game. I yeah. wanted to play it. I think this is um, definitely the Japanese samurai game people have been clamoring for for a long time. Just for me, following the Assassin's Creed Ooh. video game line, I know that's with that series, I know a lot of fans have been clamoring for this samurai-style assassin game, even though it's not by Ubisoft or the people who make Assassin's Creed over there. Mm -hmm. We're getting this open world samurai game that looks like you can, yeah, it just looks like you can be fully immersed in the journey of a samurai. And I know you can all, being someone who loves martial arts mm -hmm. and weapons of those natures, did anything from the trailer you saw or yeah. you heard about it kind of stick out to you? What was cool is that uh, it's when the, the Mongols are invading, okay, which is really cool. Uh, there's a beautiful, beautiful story. That takes place during that time. I believe it's Kublai okay. that's that's invading, and he sends a naval fleet out to Japan, and they send the naval fleet as backup. I'm assuming that the game takes place before that naval fleet comes in. The right. the reason why I bring it up, now I was a history major back in the day, so this shout is, out history. Shout out, shout out to history. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to be left out in this podcast. That's right. Not a soul. Really quick to clarify too, you know. We're not just going to be the strictly the nerd podcast all the time. We'd love to hear feedback. We'd love, yeah, to, we'd hear love to hear about, you know, history too doing. and like other interests. Back to what you were saying. 
Yeah, so uh, this game will be with one of the samurai uh, essentially going, they might make him a ronin. Okay. Uh, potentially because if they do that, then it's less, it's kind of like disavowing secret agents. Like anything they do then mm. will be on them and the government will be held accountable. Okay. Or they might be sending him quietly behind enemy lines. So this is kind of like, say someone's working for government. Right. Military, but then, you know, you're kind of like going off the rails in a bit. That's what it looks like. You've played the game, so you're going to have to clarify for me. Yeah, I haven't played it yet. Um, Never mind. I got the demo or anything like that. The way you talked about it seemed like you were no, a master. No, I'm just like super excited for it. Um, okay, cool. Because video games now for me are more of like a second tier hobby Ooh, yeah. in a way. Because it's like you grow up, get a job, and you don't get to sit down and play the games. So you just don't feel... You have to really choose your games yeah. when you get older. And back in the day... You get the full game now, you got to pay for the DLC. Oh my gosh, yeah. like that. Like in the 90s, you get a game, you get the whole burger. Whereas yeah. like now you get the game, you like, you'll get the bun. <laughs> you have to pay to get the burger. You have to pay to get the, you know, the meat, <laughs> the substance of it. And anything else. Yeah, sorry, man. I didn't realize it hadn't come out yet. No, it comes out <laughs> okay. on July 17th. Hopefully the podcast will be out. Oh, shoot. Then. So it's soon. Okay, cool. Yeah, so then, okay. you know, maybe we'll come back and we'll talk about yeah. some gameplay on it and how we're enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And the the whole thing with the typhoon is that the typhoon comes and wrecks the entire naval crew. So the Mongols leave and they never touch Japan after that. Okay. Japan was an area where they just can't invade. Same thing kind of happened in the Philippines just because they were not used to the terrain. Which reminds me, something else that I'm also watching is uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. It has like Arrow, Flash. Oh uh, gosh, what else? The whole Arrowverse. Right. The whole like DC, CW kind of universe and we touched on the animated side last time yeah uh, this is the live action version it's fun it's time travel and tons of fan service and they don't take themselves seriously yeah that's definitely how i've enjoyed the show up until like maybe two seasons ago so i'm guilty of stopping it not um finishing it or keeping up with it completely but mm-hmm. um yeah definitely a fun ride for me it was good to see Maybe like the closest ensemble to a Justice League that we'll get. Yeah, and like the supporting characters yeah. of that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and it, yeah. it was good too because one of the main gripes I've had with Arrow and Flash is that sometimes their cast can get a bit too big at yes. times. Oh my god! And it's it's like everyone has a team. Yeah. So it's nice to see that, you know, some of those other characters like that could use more spotlight, like Sarah oh, yeah. and Ray, um, get their own get their own time to shine and get their own show as far as that goes. To do so. Yeah, definitely. But you're in season two, that's a yeah. definitely a good season. I love season one for what it was. But it I think it gets better season two, season three. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely a fun ride. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Also too Real quick, while we're still in uh, things we've seen, we'll just go to what basically every DC fanboy is talking about, and that's <laughs> the Snyder yeah. Justice League cut. I think it's interesting. Now the actors are coming out with their own support for is it is Jack Snyder, right? Uh, yeah, I think Jack Snyder for his uh, original for his original release yeah. for the final cut of his version. Given the land, Jordan. A quick rundown of it. So, Jack Snyder was the original... Zack Snyder. Zack. Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. Yeah, yeah. 
there we go. It's cool. <laughs> so Zach, shout out to Jack. There you go. <laughs> Jack, <laughs> what you are. <laughs> You're getting a shout out today. Um, but Zach Schneider, um, he was the original director for the Justice League movie. He had some family issues that came up that yeah. caused him not to be able to finish the movie. And so they brought in Josh. Oh, uh, guy who wrote oh my gosh what is yeah, his name Josh. wrote firefly wrote yeah, like <laughs> marvel that guy the marvel guy oh yeah. my god i can see his face right now yeah. <laughs> all of my friends are gonna hate me right now <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely get some smoke for this but he came in to basically finish the movie and what we got was a justice league movie that was in my opinion mediocre i didn't hate it but I didn't think it was on the lines of an Avengers. Okay. Which I felt like DC really needed an Avengers in this time because Batman versus Superman was a flop. Um, <sighs> yeah. The animated one was fantastic. But fantastic. Yeah. I think Man of Steel was good. I like the Kryptonian attack. So that was cool. We're, we were just looking at that universe. I think Wonder Woman came out before Justice League. And that was a good movie. Yes. That yes. was a hit. That was awesome. Yeah. 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 I think they really needed something magical with Justice League. And what they got was mediocre at best. They keep um, on trying to go dark and gritty. They were. And I think um, yeah. that's when the new director, Josh, he came in and he added the humor to it. We've seen a lot of critical reviews from that. Yes. Yes. But, you know, with this new, this new edition of the film, we're going to get how he originally intended it to be made and I guess we're gonna see this dark gritty justice league we're gonna see dark side yeah uh, we're gonna see some people that awesome were cut going. from the film some scenes was there anything you were looking forward to in this new edition of justice league um, are you checking for it at all i'll be very honest with you no <laughs> because <laughs> like i i caught when i was in india Last year with Billy White Shoes also goes by Ahmad Johnson or AJ. I saw the Justice AJ get shot out of <laughs> because <laughs> second time too. I was I was watching that there and I'm like, this is a lot of moving parts. To be fair, it's hard to put like five different characters in a movie and have them all have equivalent stage time. And Absolutely, it's a lot. It's a big undertaking. Yeah. Once I saw Batman versus Superman and I'm like, this is disappointing. Although, fun fact, I did get to, about a month ago, do a Zoom training session with the fight choreographer for that movie. Really? Yeah, his name is Damon Caro. I believe he did Batman vs. Superman and Man of Steel. Okay. Yeah. Super nice guy. Very, very talented. Yeah, fun fact about that. So, not checking for it at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I'm not super hyped on it. I'm not expecting it to renew the dc movie universe by any means but Mm -hmm. it's something that fans have been wanting since the original came out and i I don't see a reason why it can't come out i'll watch it i mean i'll probably catch it but i i want i want it to be perfected first that's what i'm looking forward to it looks like that's the route they're gonna try to go so we'll see cool so also with this podcast we have a segment where we really deep dive into, <laughs> into a subject, <laughs> just a subject that we, we want to talk about. It's like a hobby, a passion of ours. Yeah. So with this week's episode, 
we're going to dive into Arrow. Mm-hmm. We've already touched on the CW Arrow universe that came out of the TV show Arrow. Yes. Starring Stephen Mill. So this was a show that started in 2012, I believe. Uh, yeah, 2008 or 2012. So maybe a little bit earlier. It's been around for a bit. And then they, they just ended his show. It just ended season eight, but the last season. Yeah. So I think Arrow, just for a quick overview, is a show loosely based off the comic book hero, The Green Arrow. Oliver Queen. Um, but anybody who's watched the show or has seen any promo for it knows there's some definite Batman-ish oh, yeah. mystique over the show. I think they edit a lot of the Green Arrow's history to kind of more align so. with Batman in a lot of ways. I'll say this, though. It worked. <laughs> like It worked, and um, this might be just a take from me. It worked for maybe the first three seasons. I was actually just talking to someone about this earlier. Like, it kind of jumped all over the place. Right. And they tried way too much. Like, there was way too many plot lines they threw into it. Absolutely. I think the drama of it kind of caught up to the show. Yeah. But that's not to take away from the action sequences that we got from Arrow. Yes. The show in general. Very beautifully choreographed. Mm -hmm. A lot of elements of martial arts in there. Something that you're a big fan of. could say I'm a nerd. (laughs) And the nerd for the martial arts. That's right. Martial arts nerd right here. So we're going to talk about top arrow fights. I won't even say top five, but, you know, five arrow fights that I felt like stuck out to you, stuck out to me. And I feel like there's some elements in it that I would love to hear about more from the martial arts aspect of it. Yeah. So to begin, first of all, the ones you chose were a lot of the ones that I liked when I had seen the show. So I was really thrilled about that. I... May or may not have a couple of fist pumps in the air. Um, <laughs> so to begin, there's a guy named James Bamford, and he is the stunt coordinator here from Canada. His uh, partner, Jeffrey Robinson, also a stunt coordinator. And the stunt double for Stephen Amell is a guy named Simon Bradley. Okay. Simon Bradley Burnett. My training has been particularly from a guy named Daniel Inasanto. So he was one of Bruce Lee's top students. Oh, wow. Jam of a guy. Just a joy to listen to. I've met him upwards of 10 times. I've been to seminars of his. I've been to two Indonesian, Filipino grappling camps with him. Very multi-talented martial artist. Has trained and met and worked with some of the most random people you'll ever imagine. Okay. Yeah. Like Larry Flint to Kobe Bryant to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's trained them all. Uh, Inevitably... If you're a martial artist who's been around for the past 40 years, you have crossed paths with him at some point, or they have crossed paths with him at some point. He is the one that kind of brought together a lot of the Filipino martial arts, and the Philippines is an interesting place where it's been invaded by a bunch of different cultures, colonial, also Indian as well. There's a big Indian influence in it, definitely a huge Spanish influence, Italian and then also the surrounding land masses like Indonesia and the uh, Southeast Asian peninsula. So that when I mean that, I mean like Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, a lot of the kickboxing, you'll see there honestly will be gradients of each other. So like what I like to call Majapahit kickboxing. I use that term to describe a specific style of kickboxing found in the Majapahit peninsula. And they were an empire that only existed for about 200 years where a huge portion of that part of the 
world for a while. And then because they were so big and so spread out, they unfortunately fell. But a lot of the systems and culture remained, obviously, as it, as it normally does. So Inasano, Daniel Inasano, uh, a guru Dan, as, as a lot of us call him, is a pioneer in that field because he worked with a lot of the old masters from World War II and consolidated it to a version that could survive the decades. He's also really good friends with the Machados. John Jack Machado is actually one of his best friends. So yeah, he's very multi-talented. So a lot of people from throughout Hollywood have worked with him. And uh, Bamford, Bradley Burnett, the stunt double, and Robinson have all worked on The X-Files, Stargate, Watchmen. They've done a lot of those kind of movies, especially in Canada. So just wanted to give you a quick background. Well, it wasn't quick, but it was Canal's <laughs> quick background. So starting with the first one. Yeah. Uh, so like uh, season one culminates to the Arrow versus the Dark Arrow who... Oliver finds out is Tommy's father, Malcolm Merlin, right. played by John Bauman, who I love as an actor. He um, is uh, one of the most underrated actors out there, honestly. Absolutely. From Doctor Who to just yes. being a super nice guy. That's probably when you kind of watch him in this show. It's like, oh, we're seeing a whole different side of oh, you. Oh, yeah. Definitely a different side yeah. um, of his acting ability. So, you know, in this fight, Oliver... And I think Diggle too, right? Oliver yeah. and Diggle. Mm -hmm. They're trying to stop Merlin from destroying the glades, which mm -hmm. in the show is basically the troubled area, the ghetto, if you will, of Star City. Right. And so he's trying to destroy it to make the city better, to start all over. Yeah, start it over, expand new ways of living. And so to do this, he's got a bomb. He's ready to blow up the whole glades. And Malcolm is a is a member of uh, a group that we'll touch on a little later in the episodes that we have on this list. But he's a member of the League of Assassins. Yep. And uh, they are highly trained, as old as writing. Just people you do not want to meet or cross because you will never be heard of again. His nickname in the League is the Magician. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or at least the show. I don't know about the comics. I believe it is as well. I think they may have thrown him in League of, uh, League of Shadows, yeah, League of Assassins show. for the yeah. show, because I think in the comics, he's just another archer. That's a, that's a problem. From a fight side, what did you see that really stuck out to you in this fight? Like Things that really stuck out to me is like, uh, number one, like the archery they're using is, I've heard it being referred to as like trick archery, where mm -hmm. it's done mainly for the, for the camera. And obviously these guys have definitely trained really well with bows and arrows. Right. But you would not have your quiver behind your shoulder. That's a very bad thing to have because say you go into combat, you're actually opening your arm to very vital organs. There's a brachial artery right there they can stab. You can punch that region. It's really, really bad for you. A lot of the times they would actually keep it near the waist. Okay. Just because it's easier to draw. Even in a movie Blade where he takes out his sword from the back, looks super cool. Mm -hmm. Horribly, horrible idea. Like, real, because, real oh, oh yeah, real fight, you're leaving yourself up so overly vulnerable. Mm. Inevitably in a fight, you will have vulnerable positions, but you want to turn that down as much as you can. But uh, other stuff that I definitely saw was capoeira, which is a Brazilian martial art developed centuries ago from a combination of African slaves and local indigenous populations. And so specifically, it's done from low kicks, it's actually survived through dance. A lot of martial arts have survived through dance okay. throughout all cultures. And so, 
There's a part where he plants on the floor with his hand and then like does like a double kick to Malcolm. Yeah. That looked a lot like Capoeira. Now you also see that in other art forms, but Capoeira I think will be the one that I would put money on for that one. Mm. Uh, there's also a classic chokehold when he's trying to get them at the end. Of course, it fails because Oliver just stabs him with one of his own arrows. Mm. And there also was this whole overarching theme of Oliver not knowing exactly what he wanted to do, what who he wanted to be. Mm. Uh, and this kind of struck me because I remember watching episodes that led up to this. And he said to him, he's like, you know, uh, Oliver, you are younger and faster and stronger than me. You should be able to defeat me. That is no question. But you have no idea what you're doing. And especially if you fight with no intention, if you fight with no clarity of mind, uh, then, mm. then there's no point in fighting. So how true is that in real life martial arts? That's very true. Because if you're second, okay. and it's a process, it's a journey, not a destination, as cliche as it sounds. Mm. You are constantly correcting things, at least in my opinion. You're correcting things and always learning more about yourself through running through drills and then doing safe sparring. And you have to trust yourself. People often say, don't think when you're fighting. Mm-hmm. I would hearken to say, think less and trust yourself more. Right. Because it's not a dumber way of thinking, but it's a lower level of thinking than like doing calculus or something like that. You're addressing the threat in front of you to, okay. to get to safety. So, yeah, that's what I have to say about that episode. Okay, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, moving along into um, season two. At this point in season two, Oliver just found out that Sarah Lance, a woman that he believed to be had been dead a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, is actually alive. And she's actually the Black Canary now. And as Oliver is going to meet up with her to convince her to basically reveal her identity to her family and then also... To figure out who's these ninjas that we learned to be the League of Assassins that are following her. And so that's when all this is revealed in the clock tower, Sarah's hideout. So that's uh, season two, episode five, League of Assassins. Yeah. Um, we got to see a lot of weapons here. Oh, yeah. We got to see crap ton of weapons. The League's one. weapons. We got to see Sarah's weapons. So my question is. What those weapons are. Yeah. You know, how does this translate in a fight? Sure, sure. Uh, so, this was a lot of fun for me to watch because mm-hmm. a lot of the movements they've done are drills I've done. So, I was like super geeking out about it. Oh. The weapons that they're using, Sarah is using two different weapons. So, she's using two what we call bastons or two sticks in the show. They're the metal sticks, but as well as a about a five foot staff. And I've had training in both. The Philippines have tremendous amount of training in both of those weapons. The reason why the Philippines use sticks so much is because it was one, it was an easy way to hide their training, hide their weapons, because stick usage translates into knife, translates into empty hand as well. Everyone always says, oh, you know, the Filipino martial artists can only fight with weapons. I'm like, no, that's just the cover. Right. That's really just the cover. Like you, you are the true weapon, as cliche as it sounds. The strongest weapon you have is your mind and your body. Those are the two that I would say. She does a lot of uh, what we call heaven six, which is a basic drill of three counts on each side. It crosses the midline, which is like your nose basically, and you can use those as attacks. It's easier for the human brain to think in threes or smaller combination of numbers because if you get thrown off, fine, they just start back to one, go from there. The staff usage is pretty straightforward. You see that in a lot of Japanese and Chinese styles as well. So it's not just endemic to the Philippines. 
There's even some motions where she throws the stick around her head like an umbrella. It's called a redondo. It's one way to move and deflect someone's attack. Because you're not trying to go pound for pound all the time in combat. Often in, in times in boxing or even in the training that I've had, you're trying to angle off and take them out. Mm. So there's a time to go through and there's a time to angle off. Also, the main assassin, the dude with the who's bald and has a beard, yeah. is carrying the sword, which is called Chris, K-R-I-S. Different parts in the Philippines, it's called a different weapon. And this is quintessential, endemic to the Philippines. It's a sword that's very, very known for the Philippines. And uh, it was cool to see that because it's not a very big sword and it's meant for, for direct combat. Like the Philippines is a jungle. So they would use this as well as another sword called the bolo, which looks like a machete. Hmm. So moving along. So we get to the end of season two. We find out the big bad this whole time is Deathstroke, Slade Wilson. We find out more about Oliver and his history on the island, um, how Shadow was involved, how the Miracure was involved in all this. Basically, what we get is really two fights that I think is probably like the most beautiful choreographed fight in Arrow. Maybe just from how, how it was shot. How it was shot. Yeah. We get the flashback to the island. We get the current fight with him and Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. Basically, for the Battle of the City, I guess my question to you is, what stuck out here? A lot of things. Deathstroke's weapons, Oliver's movements in the fight. Yeah. I just realized I may have not said something important, specifically the arts that Inasano teaches, and that's shown a lot in the previous episode. It's called Kali, K-A-L-I. And uh, Kali is typically attributed to the knife work. Our niece is usually attributed to the stick work and the grappling section of Kali is often known as C-Lot. So they're, they're terms that are used interchangeably. What's interesting that stuck out to me is because it's student and teacher fighting. Mm. Slade was one of his, his first teachers. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of episodes of him doing the same drills like having sex and he's even yelling at him. He's like, why are, why are we fighting with sticks? They're going to come out with guns and knives. And he's like, well, you understand. This is how you learn. The problem is Slade is not the nicest of people and so he just kind of like hits them a bunch um which is no way to train in my opinion people disagree with that but that's my stance and slade is special forces so a lot of military and spec ops uh use kali and a lot of different martial arts you'll hear kajun kenpo uh, mm-hmm. krav maga i'm sure is in there as well a lot of the navy seals use kali as well so yeah this one that stuck out to me is like one he's fighting w- with a katana Mm. Uh, which is very reminiscent of Japan and everything from there. Uh, it was also interesting to me because he's fighting basically unarmed, uh, Oliver. Yeah. It's a uh, empty hand to double-handed katana. And, and Slade is no joke when it comes to fighting. Yeah. Uh, like what in the comics? He's like one of the most deadly assassins out assassins there. in the DC universe. Yeah. And he has a healing factor. So like, oh, yeah. which makes it even, even more dangerous. I also saw in here and as well as in the flashbacks, there's a lot of Southeast Asian kickboxing. Mm. I saw a lot of Muay Thai, a lot of knees to the head, a couple of elbows, stuff here and there. There's a lot of overheads by Oliver. And uh, you can tell Oliver's really taking a lot of hits just to get him entrapped at the end of the episode. So he's fighting very tactfully, which is just really sucks. Like that's just, he took a lot of, a lot of lumps oh, just to get him into that corridor. So like the Rocky. 
pretty much fighting. he rope Take. rope doped him in a way. <laughs> yeah, he uh, clubber laying him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good callback. I like that. <laughs> That's what I do, man. You gotta link it. So now we get to like a Ooh, fight yeah. that's probably like I would say the most synonymous with Arrow Ooh. in a way because it's like I think it's one of those scenes that every fan has called back to. It's like maybe a good point in Arrow and maybe like a turning point as well. Because some would say, well, at least I would argue, maybe after this episode, the show kind of dropped a little bit. Yeah. But as far as the fight goes, I'm referring to season three, episode nine. It's called The Climb. Mm-hmm. And here we have Oliver versus Rayshad Ghoul. Hell yeah. As all DC fanboys know, fanboys and girls. Fan people. Fan people. Gender neutral. Fan peeps. Fan peeps. As all <laughs> DC fan peeps know, um, Raish is the leader of the League of Assassins. He's one of the most dangerous men in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. You do not want to face this guy one-on-one. Trained Batman. Trained Batman mm-hmm. in the comics. You right. know. He was actually wanting him to be a successor. Yeah. Pretty you nuts. Know, with training Batman's son, Damien, mm-hmm. his daughter, Talia, really dangerous in the comics. I'm not so sure about Nissa in the comics. I don't even know if Nissa... I only heard about her from Arrow, actually. Okay, so yeah, maybe a created character there. They had her show up in like Arkham Knight. Nissa or Talia? Uh, Nissa as like, but you would only get there if you finished part of the sub games. Oh, sub quest. Yeah. Oh, uh, and finished the sub quest. Yeah, it's okay because that game was kind of a letdown. So, <laughs> um, the the amount of Riddler trophies in itself, it's kind of disappointing. But you know, oh well. But in this fight. Oliver Ray shirts off on the top yes. of the mountain. Fucking yes. Fighting to the death. Oliver is just seemingly outclassed, ends up getting murdered. Oof. Um, yeah. So take it away. Tell us why this scene was so magical to the Arrow fanboys. It was, it was magical to this Arrow fanboy as well. Because uh, number one, he free climbs by hand yeah. uh, to get up to there. If I did that, I'd need like a protein bar and a nap. <laughs> and then I'll be like, okay, let me go take off um, an ageless assassin. Yeah, let's do this now. Yeah. I definitely know you knew this, uh, but like Raish has kept himself alive mm-hmm. by means of something called a Lazarus Pet, where he just yeah. constantly keeps on living. So he's centuries upon thousands upon years upon years old. So he has a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous amount of experience and, uh, fighting knowledge he's been trained in everything he's a dangerous man i like the actor that played him he's very he does what a very good job been in? i saw him i think in uh chronicles of riddick perfect dark okay love chronicles of riddick he was i think one of the side characters i didn't notice okay. him until i saw it on tv again i'm like oh my gosh it's Rache. what's he doing here and he has like an american accent it threw me off completely at least i think that was him Basically, what's cool about this scene is like, number one, the music and the fact that it's a background of snow on a mountain mm-hmm. cliff. So, like, traction is pretty rough, too. He meets his old friend, Maceo, there, who joined up with the League later on. Yeah. Yeah. Maceo. As they choose their weapons, it's a really cool shot of, for me, history and a lot of different weapons. You see Turkish, you see Japanese, you see Chinese, Filipino. I'm pretty sure I saw a saber there as well. So you see a lot of different cultures with their blades. 
And that's kind of like with I think at least in the show, Ray shows some respect for like all those art, you know, for history and all the art forms. Very much so. Themes as he's lived for centuries. Oh, completely. And yeah. and he uh, he draws from all of them too. And of course, the the two swords that Oliver chooses are Monentu Chris's. So it's a specific Filipino Chris. Another fight where it's unarmed versus double armed. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I, oh, I'll, I'll take the weapons from you. Don't worry. And what proceeds is something that really does a good job of showing, in my opinion, something significant for Oliver. So he's had Slade teach him barely. He's picked up a lot of different fighting styles as he's gone on. Yeah. Specifically like Sambo, Kali, Capoeira, Archery. And honestly, those are pretty good and wholesome arts if you want most areas of combat. He's had really good fight experience. He's unfortunately had to kill a lot of people. His experience is actually pretty decent. But Raish is classically trained. Mm-hmm. He's also killed untold amounts of people. Right. Oliver is just out of his league. Literally. Pun intended. <laughs> like, and, Pun intended. Uh, even Raish says, you know, you should be honored. A lot of people haven't made it here. I was actually showing this clip to my instructor. There was a drill that they did in there really quickly called Hubud, which is a timing drill. It's, it's a way mm-hmm. to, uh, he tries to do an overhead slash on the right and you catch it with your forearm okay. and then pass it with your other arm with your forearm and then pass it down. Well, this will be easier. Raish tries to slice him with his right arm mm-hmm. uh, after disarming one of Oliver's swords. Oliver uh, catches it with his left forearm passes it with his right, and then with his left arm attacks Raish, only to have Raish like, hit him a bunch more times. They also change the elevation. Now, this is where we're getting really nitty-gritty. Yeah. But uh, he gets knocked down, and Oliver's like, oh, shit, I got to do something. The training that I received, you fight from all levels of uh, elevation. So high, medium, low, and then the ground, too. So he's even fighting on his knees. He's fighting everywhere he can. The floor is not off limits. And also, it's something commendable for both the actors and the characters. They're fighting on, like, ice. That is not easy. How much does that affect a a fight like this? A lot. There's even, like, different styles of of Wing Chun called, like, Red Boat Wing Chun. Whenever anyone finds out that I'm a Bristol guy, they're like, oh, right away, they're always like Wing Chun. I'm like, yeah, Wing Chun is part of it, but we also use Choi Lei Foot and and Lord of Shaolin. But I'm digressing a bunch. Traction makes a huge part of it too. Red Boat Wing Chun is something that is developed for Chinese fishermen when they're on unstable water if they have to attack pirates or something like that. As well as you go to certain parts of the South China Sea, if the Filipinos are advancing, they have to really plant their feet in the ground because it's kind of swampy. So it's harder to get there. There's a part in a later episode where Raish goes, is training one of his recruits and he's like, Use the full amount of the ground because the ground is where we draw our energy from, which I thought was really cool. Mm. Traction, it's an unspoken part of combat altogether. This is really one of my favorite scenes to, to watch. Yeah. So. I definitely think is one of those scenes we'll call back whenever we think about Arrow years later. You know, oh, one yeah. of those um, classic scenes. And the music. The music's beautiful. They have the, <laughs> they have the Armenian duduk in the background. Yeah. Check it out, man. It's dope. So this brings us um, to the final fight that I wanted to talk about. And it actually stars like one of my favorite <laughs> B-list 
red box movie underground underground actors martial artists he's hilarious too yeah he's right. actually he has a really good sense of humor he really does um, so michael j white he's in this episode he's been in arrow maybe a handful of times mm-hmm. part of the suicide squad temporarily and, uh, i think yeah yeah for like an episode so michael j white plays the bronze tiger mm-hmm. and he's locked up in Slapside with oliver queen Oliver has just been arrested for being the Green Arrow, for committing all these murders over the years as a vigilante. He's in prison serving his time. Unfortunately for him, he's locked up with a lot of people who don't like him because he is this hero yep. vigilante figure. It's, uh, it's, it's not good for him. <laughs> not good at all. He grew and the like, angry beard just to scare people off. Man. Had the cuts all over his face to, to bat. And so my God. he's locked in there with kind of like a frenemy, Bronze Tiger, because like <laughs> initially Bronze Tiger is a part of this three-man group villains who hate Oliver because, you know, Oliver is responsible for locking them up over the years. Bronze Tiger is initially part of that group, but being that he's been kind of like an anti-hero up to this point, he changes his mind and now he's pro-arrow and now he's on Oliver's side when the prison has this complete riot with inmates killing guards mm-hmm. and everything going to shit all oh my because gosh. of uh, a villain whose name escapes me. Diaz. Diaz, yeah. yeah. Ricardo Diaz. Who has the weirdest voice. <laughs> he he has been in so many things, and yeah, his voice is weird. I'm going to kill Green Arrow. <laughs> I'm going to fight him. I'm strong now. I'm like, that's how he sounds the entire time. I'm like, dude, do you want a Ricola? Like, seriously. <laughs> so this is season seven, um, episode seven, Flapside Redemption. Yeah. Oliver, Bronze Tiger versus the Prisoners. I'm thinking when someone tells me there's going to be two against a hundred, I'm just like, there's no way this is possible. <laughs> but we know Oliver's resume, right. how he's been trained. Can you speak a little bit about Michael J. Yeah. White's uh, Bronze of, Tiger? Of like, course. Yeah, I'd love to. Michael J. White, if you were around in the 90s, you saw all of his underground movies. Yeah. Uh, he did a couple with Steven Seagal, a couple of on his own. Dude is jacked beyond belief. Yeah, um, he is a Tim Dating figure. Oh, my goodness. Even like, at his age in this episode. Yeah, he's gracefully aging. Yeah. Weight training. Do it every <laughs> once in a while. Yeah, so he has a ton of experience from various different karate styles, mm. uh, as well as uh, Tang Sudo and FMA, so Filipino martial arts. I know you guys are probably tired of me hearing me say that, but it's been taught to a lot of people, mm. and a lot of the big names have done it, even Steven Seagal. Uh, I, I mentioned him because he worked with. Michael J. White back in the day, too. If you ever see Blood and Bone, there's a lot of grappling techniques he uses from Silat specifically for Michael J. White. Yeah, uh, so he has a ton of, ton of background in a lot of different martial arts. He definitely looks like he's grappled, so I would definitely throw in BJJ to that mix as well. Hmm. He's a high-ranked Don in, uh, as a black belt in Kyokushin and as well, I don't know if it's Shotokan, Fact of the matter is there's a lot of different karate styles. A lot of them are island specific. There's like Okinawan. And then if you go to America, you'll have like versions that you'll see at the Y, certain Chinese influences of it. So yeah, he's, he's really well trained. As we see in the episode, he has a ton of knife training as well. Yeah. He uh, takes a scissor and, and uh, breaks it in half. Hmm. He uh, makes a makeshift knife called a garambit, which is known very, very well to the to Southeast Asia. It's a very deadly knife, very 
hard to train with. It translates to tiger claw. He was really good. Yeah, so not impossible for them to take on like 100 prisoners yeah. between the two of them. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, they do a good job of showing both of them get a bunch of hits and especially yeah. Oliver. Poor Oliver, man. I felt so bad for him. He got uh, shit kicked out of him so much um, yeah, in this episode. He had a happy ending. At the end of the he, show, did. Um, he did. He did. He gets out. He um, gets out. For sure. Really nice with Felicity. There's one thing I do want to say. So, like, this episode, highly laden with Kali because a lot of it is CQC, close quarter mm-hmm. combat. If you want to survive in the prison, learn some CQC. Kali's in there. A lot of different I arts are. the next are time I go yeah. to prison. I mean, job. you know, <laughs> I'll, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you're if you're on an aircraft, learn some CQC, learn some things that. Yeah. And it's not just endemic to uh, Filipino martial arts. Sistema, mm-hmm. Sistema, and Filipino martial arts share a lot of information. So there's a lot of back and forth. Certain Chinese trapping styles are used as well. One thing that was really cool to me in this episode, ever since Daredevil did yeah. this in the first season, oh, people are quarter fighting, close quarter fighting, and then also oh, the yeah. one shots. And, yeah. and you can tell there are one shots where the camera just moves and doesn't cut. This is going to be a random segue, but Singing in the Rain. I have seen that movie. To their credit, like it's an old era of Hollywood acting where there was maybe two cuts. Maybe two cuts. Mm. When the main two uh, male leads are dancing, the yeah. cuts are so minuscule. They did a lot of that just all in one take, which is tremendous. That's like how Jackie Chan does his cuts. I've heard stories of people doing 200 takes before they get the cut all in one shot. Yeah, right. Which, that's a credit. So there's this really cool scene where they're both walking on different levels and uh, just clear inmates as they're going by. There was a lot of cool stuff there. One thing I thought was really cool is that even though it's close quarter, if you have Michael J. White, and I would have done the same thing, he has to do his classic spin kicks. Yeah, so, uh, I think he starts off with a thin kick yeah. to, to the image. Which I'm like, one, he's really good. He's mm-hmm. really good. So he can pull it off. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend that to everybody, though, because that is hard to pull off and you can end up injuring yourself in the process Yeah, doing those wide kicks. I would keep them more to like teeps or what they're called push kicks. Those would be very, very, very helpful. But he's very good in what he does, and it's Michael J. White. He loves the reverse kicks, the snap kicks, all that stuff. It was fun to watch. I was like, okay, this was done just for fan service, and it's okay. Absolutely. That was totally fine. That was basically all that I saw in that area, unless you had any other stuff. I mean, honestly, man, that's, that's my top five. Arrow is, you know, out now on Netflix. Yes. Um, definitely recommended. It will... Help you in a lot of ways get into possibly the bigger Arrowverse that it now has. Yeah. You know, Flash, Legends, Supergirl. Oh, yeah. Um, that's right. Supergirl. They're adding even more. Black Lightning. Black Lightning. I was going to say Black Dynamite. <laughs> Black Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but Michael J. White was there, so, yeah. so it works. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you know, Batwoman. There's a lot of shows yeah. in the pipeline for it. But, yeah, man. My top five. Cool. If you want to bring us home. Before I forget, like definitely look up some of the fights when he was working for the Bravta. Uh, yeah. And the Bravta are the Russian mob. They use a lot of yeah. Sambo. It's essentially a leg-based grappling art. They often call it Russian Judo, which is not wrong, but it's not right either. It's kind of an oversimplification. 
there's the sport version and then the actual combat version. It's a Russian-specific martial art, and it's a lot of fun to watch. There's a lot more fun fights in Arrow. Yeah, there are. These are the ones that stick out, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I would definitely say, do your research. Look up Daniel and Asanto. Look up Filipino martial arts. I really recommend it. It's a lot of fun. I've, I've, had, I've grown a lot as a person learning it. It's not just the how to kill people. It's also, I mean, believe it or not, it's not just how to kill people. You make right. a lot of good friends. You meet a lot of interesting this you know occasionally um <laughs> but like you gotta you gotta spice up the world every once in a while or watch it burn <laughs> every, every once in a while <laughs> but i will tell you like there's cognitive aspects that can really help there's a ted talk done by an instructor i've met actually his name is paul mccarthy not the beetle oh, I, yeah, I was gonna say he gets that all the time because he's british too there's ways for it helps your coordination, it helps your confidence, it helps timing. If you are a musician, there's a number of musicians that I've worked with as well, and they find it a lot because you get to understand the beats or rhythms and how everything goes. Martial arts isn't just about knocking people out and being violent. There's a lot of strength and conditioning, a lot of coordination that could be really used for development in, in general. But ultimately, you know, I joined it for the self-defense. I'm not looking to go murk any people. I'm looking to go protect, you know, myself and if I absolutely have to, other people. I'm always learning. I'm the last person that starts a fight because life is too precious. It really is. So, on that note, I'd uh, like to like to call from there. All right. Thank you for listening. Yeah. To the thank you so much. They need a hobby podcast. One day we'll find one. <laughs>